series called Getting Past Your Past. I know for me, I can be easily discouraged by my past. I can be easily discouraged by what's back there. I just, that's the way I am. I, and I know I, in our church plant in Louisiana, I remember somebody came for the very first time one time, and I, I knew they were new because they were all dressed up. They were all dressed up, and, I, I was, and they were looking around, and we weren't. And so when they left... She leaned over, the lady leaned over and said to somebody, I don't think I'll be back because I think he has a past. <laughs> she was right. <laughs> and so I, I can be discouraged by my past. It can, it can, if I think about it, I can think this, if only you knew. I mean, you don't even know my past if you only knew. If only you knew, you would think the same thing I'm thinking. And it can be discouraging. It can make me want to give up. It can make me want to just uh, just give in, right? Well, that's the way it is. Maybe you can relate to that because perhaps for you, maybe there are things in your life that you thought you were through with and you thought were back there in your past, but maybe they have crept up into your present and you're dealing with some things again that you thought was back there and they show up in your present again and it makes you makes you irritated. You feel like you're repeating these cycles over and over and over again. Vicious cycles. And maybe for some of you, it has been years since that happened, and you find yourself back there again. It happens a lot in relationships, right? You say, this time it's going to be different, this time it's going to be different, this time it's going to be different, and then what happens? You thought it was going to be different. It's just a different person. And you're repeating the same thing in that relationship all over again. It's just, the only thing that's changed is the name of that person. We have these vicious cycles that we find ourselves trapped in. We have moments or years or seasons of normal, but then we find ourselves back to the same place. And, and you're not alone. I told you, I'm there. I get there. You're there. So we're here together. So but even we are not alone. Because if you look at your family tree, you could probably go back generations and see the same things in your grandparents or their grandparents. We repeat these cycles. And we're not alone. It happens in the Bible too. We began this series talking about Abraham. He was really one of the founding fathers of our faith, chosen by God. And then he had a child, and then they had children. Children went down, so Jacob shows up on the scene. Then Joseph, that's the guy with the coat of many colors. Joseph ends up in Egypt, and then his whole family joins him. And that is where the nation of Israel began, from that family, originating all the way back to Abraham. But that's where it began. But that's how they got to Egypt. And then they became slaves in Egypt, and they were there for 400 years. And then God said, Moses, I'm going to let you go and sent, set these people free. That's what we talked about last week. And so Moses did get them freed. God did it. Moses led them under God's authority and command, and they got free. But then here's what happened. The nation of Israel, they would love God and follow him, love him and follow him, but then they would very quickly begin to do things their own way and follow themselves. And then that would lead. Anytime we begin to follow ourselves and not God, we begin to suffer. That's a given. Sometimes we suffer while we're following God. That happens too, but it's always going to, we're going to eventually certainly suffer when we're not following God. And it happens and it did to them. And so when they began to suffer, they were like, oh, maybe we need to follow God again. This isn't working out so well. So then they would repent and follow God. 
And they would follow him for a little while, but then they would do their own thing again. And then they would begin to suffer. And they would say, oh, maybe we need to follow God. And then they would repent and follow God again. And then they would follow themselves again. They did it over and over and over again. Finally, it got to the point where God said, okay, guys, listen, wait. None of you are going to go to the promised land. I'm not going to let you do it. You've been repeating this cycle over and over and over again, and I'm, it's, it, we're not going to do it. You're going to wander out here around aimlessly for about 40 years. And when you all die, then I'm going to let your children and your grandchildren go into the promised land. And that's exactly what happened. The last one remaining, really there were two. I'll tell you about that in a moment. But really the last one God was waiting to die, died, and that was Moses. And then he was like, okay, now I'm going to let you guys go in. We have a chance to do this over, a fresh start. We're going to cross this river, and we're going to do it over. Let's do it. And this is where we pick it up in the book of Joshua, chapter 1, verse 1. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun. Now, Joshua is the man who was there for all of the things that happened in the past. When he led him out of Egypt, he had to part the Red Sea. Maybe you've seen that in the movie. He parted the Red Sea, and they all crossed. Moses held up the staff. They... Joshua was there. He was there for all of that. Joshua was the guy that God was going to let go into this promised land because when everybody else had turned unfaithful at a certain point, Joshua remained faithful and said, I'm serving God. So Joshua gets to go in. And here's what God says. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of none. Moses, it's Moses' assistant is who this is. And here's what he said, verse 2. Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land that I'm giving them. It's as if God is saying, okay, Joshua, someone has to lead. Someone has to do this, and I'm choosing you. Someone's got to step up and get this thing going. It's going to be you. And I'm going to tell you this right now. You sitting in here this morning, in your life, someone has to get this process going of leaving the past behind and getting this thing going, getting past your past. And that someone is you. God's ready for you to do it. He's ready for you to lead out and make this happen. Let's keep going. Verse 3. I promised you what I promised Moses. Wherever your foot set, wherever you set your foot, you will be on the land I have given you. He gives him the same promises he gave Moses. Verse 5, no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I, God speaking to, to him here, saying, I will not fail you or abandon you. God is saying, listen, Joshua, just do your part. You focus on your part. I'm going to do my part. Don't worry about my part. I will not leave you and I will not abandon you. And listen to me, I believe God made that promise to them and he, I believe, made that promise to me. I can find it all in the New Testament and he makes that promise to you. I won't leave you. I won't fail you. I won't abandon you. And that, my friends, is great news. Verse 6, he says to Joshua, be strong and courageous. Now, I want you to notice how many times God says be strong and courageous and why. I, I think if this is going to happen, Joshua is going to have to do it and lead and not give up. And for you and me, if we are going to get past our past, 
we're going to have to be strong. And we're going to have to be courageous. Why? Because we want to do things the way we've always done them. Because when everything hits the fan, guess what? We want to do things the way we've done them. We want to comfort ourselves the way we've always comforted ourselves. It doesn't matter if it's a joint or if it's a Twinkie. We want to comfort ourselves the way we have always comforted ourselves, right? That's our cycle. And we got to be strong and courageous if we're going to do something new. And here he said it. I will not fail you. Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land that I swore to their ancestors that I would give them. He says, be strong and courageous. You're the one. Verse 7, here he goes again. Be strong and very courageous. And now he tells them how. This is how you're, this is your job. I'll do my job. Here's your job. Be very careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave to you. Don't deviate from them. Turn me either to the right or to the left. Then you'll be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. He's basically saying this, Joshua, follow me. Follow me. Your job, you follow me. My job, I'm going to do it. I'm never going to leave you. I'm not going to fail you. I'm not going to abandon you. You do your job. Follow me. Don't go to the right. Don't go to the left. Don't turn your head to the right. Don't turn your head to the left. Follow me. And I'll do my part. That's the plan. That was it. That's what he gave him. That's all you need to accomplish now. Verse 9, this is my command. Here we go again. Be strong. Be courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Wherever you go. He said, I'm there. That's a promise. That's a pretty good promise. It's a promise of his presence. And I'm going to say more than a promise. It's a present. It's a gift. It's a present of his presence. And I think we could just simply call that grace. Because he's giving them something they don't deserve. And when the New Testament applies this to me, guess what? I don't deserve it. God should have given up on me a long time ago. God should have thrown me to the side a long time ago because that's what I deserve. That's what I've earned. You want to talk about fairness? That's what's fair for God to give up on me and throw me to the side. I deserve it, and that would be fair. But instead, God has given me a present. His presence. So I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. I'm not going to abandon you. I am not going to fail you. And that's God's grace giving me something I don't deserve. Grace is a present of His presence. Joshua chapter 3, verse 14. So the people, here's the response. So the people left their camp to cross the Jordan. They had to leave it. 
If they're going to do what God said, they've got to leave that camp behind and be strong and courageous and go do what God said do. They got to leave it behind. That's why they did. And the priest who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant, they went ahead of them. It's as if God is saying, okay, Israel, you're going to leave this past behind. That cycle of following me and then following yourself and then suffering and saying, oh, we need to follow God. And then repenting and following God. He said, we're going, to, we're going to leave that behind. That cycle, the junk in your life, we're going to leave it behind. Leave it back there. You know what I call that for me? I call that my crazy camp. That's my crazy camp. And we all have a crazy camp. You've got one too. And back at crazy camp, that's where we do the same thing over and over and over again, expecting that though this time, something's going to be different. This time, it will turn out differently. That's the crazy camp. And we have all lived at the crazy camp. Because you've all heard the definition of insanity, right? We have heard that over and over again. Thank you, Facebook. Doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting different results, right? We've all done that. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over and over again and expecting, though this time, it will be different. And we do it all the time, don't we? It's easy. We do it in relationships, right? Only the names change. We do the same thing over and over and over again. And in a relationship, we say, this time it's going to be different. But the only thing that's different is the name. Because we're doing the same thing over and over again. And that is our crazy camp. God said, we're going to leave that behind. We're going to move camps. We're going to change camps. Let's go on. Verse 15. It was the harvest season and... The Jordan was overflowing its banks. The harvest season was the rainy season, so the river was at its most full, and the river was dangerous to cross, and the water was high, and it was a little scary, and it was certainly inconvenient. Why couldn't God have waited until the dry season when we could wade across? They were going to have it tough. But that was the moment that God said, we're leaving, we're crossing, we're going, we're leaving that mess behind, and we're going on to something new. And in your life, in my life, listen, the very fact that you walked into this room, this movie theater today, tells me this, that it's time to leave crazy camp behind. And it's probably not the most convenient time in your life. It's not the easiest time. And there are so many other things that you could do instead. And so many cycles that you could just stay in and repeat and hope that things changed and hope that things were different this time. But it's time to leave crazy camp. And it's not going to be convenient. And that's why he reminds you, be strong and be courageous. And you are not sitting in this movie theater by accident this morning. And I know it might feel like an accident. I know it might feel like you just woke up and thought, oh, today I'm going to go. But you're here for a reason. And he's ready to cross over with you. And he's going to do his part. 
he's going to do his part. So here they go. But as soon as their feet, the feet of the priests who were carrying the ark touched the water at the river's edge, the water above that point, now gets it straight out of a movie. Watch this in your mind. As soon as the feet touched the river, the water above them began to back up into a great big wall. They're in the process of seeing a miracle right there. It began to back up in a wall. And all the water on the other side of them, it says right here, read down as I'm going, all the water on the other side of them began to flow out into the Dead Sea. And so here they have all of this dry ground now. God dried it out. Here they have this dry ground. And then it just tells until the riverbed was dry, then all the people crossed over near the town of Jericho. I can just imagine Joshua saying, I've seen this. I saw God do it back there at the Red Sea. Oh, y'all weren't there. You weren't there. But you're going to have to trust me and believe me. You heard your parents talk about it? I was there. I saw it. Do you remember what God did in the past? You, you weren't there, so let me remind you. God did some amazing things back there. Amazing things back there. He was with us back there. And he's with us right now. Now, they were stepping into a miracle. At that moment, they saw it with their eyes. But when they crossed over to the other side, what happens when they step into the stuff that's not the miracle? Because they're going to step in some stuff. And you're going to step in some stuff. And you're going to say, oh, that is not a miracle. And what are you going to do with that? And it's as if Joshua is saying, don't forget what God has done. He did it back there. And he can do something here. Even with all this mess all around us, he can do something. Verse 17, meanwhile, the priests who were carrying the ark of the Lord's covenant stood on dry ground in the middle of the riverbed as the people passed by. They waited there until the whole nation of Israel had crossed the Jordan on dry ground. The story continues, chapter 4, verse 1. When all the people had crossed the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Now, he said, choose twelve men, one from each tribe. Tell them, take twelve stones from the very place where the priests are standing in the middle of the Jordan. He said, take those twelve stones. Carry them out and pile them up at the place where you will camp tonight. He said, we've got a new campground. We're not going back there. We're done with that. Leave the cycles back there. Crazy town, crazy cycles, let's leave them. We're going to a new place. And take that rock that boulder. Take it with you on purpose. Now, here's what he said to do with it. Verse 4, so Joshua called together the 12 men he had chosen, one from each of the tribes of Israel. And he told them, go into the middle of the Jordan in front of the ark of the Lord your God. Each one of you must pick up one stone and carry it out on your shoulder. So they didn't pick up a pebble and carry it. They picked up a stone. They carried out a boulder now, if they're going to do what God told them to do, it's like, well, but God, I got all my camping gear. I got my sleeping bag, got my lantern. Oh, I got to carry this. 
But if we're going to do what God tells us to do, that junk that we have been carrying from one state of mind to the next, and one marriage to the next, and one relationship to the next, and one day to the next day, and year to the next year, we have to take the junk we've been toting around, and we have to set it down so that our hands and our lives are free to do what God has asked me to do. And a lot of this junk we're carrying around is emotional baggage. And if we will just simply begin to set it down, we can learn what to do with it later. Right now, can we just simply say, God, I'm going to trust you and I'm going to set some junk down. And I'm going to go do something silly that you've asked me to do. I'm going to go pick up a rock. I don't know why, but I'm going to do what you said to do. And they walked to the middle and they picked up the rocks. Here's what it is. And so each one of you must pick up a stone carried out on your shoulder, 12 stones in all, one for each of the 12 tribes of Israel. So I don't know what God has asked you to do. I, I don't know, but I do know this. If you're going to do it, you've got to set down that junk you've been carrying. You've got to put it down somewhere, someplace, sometime. And it might as well be now. Verse 6, he then says what's going to happen. We will use these stones to build a memorial. In the future, your children are going to ask you, Daddy, what do these stones mean? And I'm going to ask you, as you leave today, we're going to give you one of these little rocks. I, I didn't give you one before you, as you came in because I thought, man, if I make you mad, you're going to throw it at me. I can't dodge that many rocks. But as you leave, you're going to get one. And I can't tell you what this rock means for you, what you're going to have to set down in your life in order for you to pick up and do what God has asked you to do. That's really between you and God, but it has to be dealt with. What does it mean for you? But here's what it meant for them. Verse 7, then you can tell them when they ask, hey, daddy, what, what does this mean? Then you can tell them. They remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing when the Ark of the Lord's Covenant went across. These stones, these stones will stand as a memorial among the people of Israel forever. It was to remember. It was to look back at the past. To look back at the past. That's what it was there for. To look back. Two things we need to look at. We need to look back. And we need to see some of that junk and mess that's in our life. We do not need to forget what we have left behind. Now we don't need to carry it with us. And we don't need to carry the emotional damage and baggage and hurt and pain with us. But we need to remember. Because when we forget, we repeat. And when we forget, worse than repeating, we judge. Look back. Look back. And the second thing we need to do as we look back, 
not only see some of that junk that we left behind, we need to remember. We need to look back and remember God has done some things in our past. He saved us. He's changing us. And He has done some things and He will do some more. Verse 8, so the men did as Joshua commanded them. They took the 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan River, one for each tribe, just as the Lord had told Joshua. They carried them to the place where they camped for the night and constructed the memorial there. And my friends, that's where we are. Our bottom line this morning simply says this, look at your past, but remember your present. And grace is your present of His presence. Look back at your past, but remember your present, and it is grace, your present of His presence. The very first week of this series, if you didn't get it, go listen to it. We said this, bring your mess to Him. The second week of this series, we said this, you need to admit this to God. I have tried to manage the junk in my life and just make it work, but it has become unmanageable. And this week, we're saying this, you need to believe in this grace, this present of His presence. You need to believe that He's there. He's not going to leave you. And you need to believe this. This is what you need to believe, that God can restore your sanity and get you out of crazy camp of doing the same thing over and over and over again, but yet somehow expecting that this time it will turn out differently. But guess what? It won't unless you let God take you to a new place away from that cycle. And I believe you may not feel very miraculous this morning, but it's probably a miracle that you're sitting in this seat in this movie theater today. Look at your past, but remember your present. And grace is a present of His presence. And all of that because we came to believe that God could restore us to sanity. Let God begin making changes through the hurts. Listen to how the New Testament places this in Ephesians 4, verse 21. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from Him, Throw off your old, sinful, and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Throw that off. These old cycles, that old you, crazy camp, put it all back there. Throw it off. Verse 23, instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts. Very important. This is not you renewing your thoughts. This is not you trying harder, trying to manage your life. It says, let the Spirit, that's God's Spirit, let Him renew your thoughts and your attitudes. And verse 24, put on your new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Grace. 
My friends, I, your pastor, have no hope except for him. Psalm 25, verse 5, reminds me of this. Every time I read it, listen to this verse. The psalmist writes, lead me by your truth and teach me. We don't deserve to be able to do that, to be led by God and taught by God. It's His grace, the present of His presence. Lead me by your truth and teach me, for you are the God who saves me. All day long I put my hope in you. That's moment by moment the psalmist is saying, God, your grace is sufficient. Moment by moment, a conversation, God, with you. Moment by moment, God, I cannot do this and make it and make it through this mess. But God, you will take me through it because I have your grace, a present of your presence. And friends, we're not telling you that your life is going to be easier We're not telling you that this is going to be simple. People in your life are still going to get sick. People in your life and you will still get hurt. There will be people who die. But we cannot make it through this on our own. If we do, we're going to go back to our cycles. We will repeat crazy camp all over again. But we have to trust Him. Grace. The present of His presence. So simply this morning, we're asking you to take a next step with us, a very simple next step that each of you can take. If you circle the letter A on the back of your connection card, here's what you're saying. You're saying that this week you will memorize Psalm 25, verse 5. Just look it up in your Bible. Look it up on your phone Bible. Memorize Psalm 25, verse 5. And then this week, every day, have a conversation with God about this verse every day this week. Just talk to God about it. And as you're doing that, this is all about His grace all day long, every day, living in the present of His presence. All day long, every day. And as you leave today, we're sending you home with a rock. And I want you to place this somewhere you will see it. And there, every time you see it, this is your memorial, your chance to look at your past. But remember your present, and that is grace, the present of His presence. And we are simply hoping and praying and trusting and believing that God is the one who can restore us to sanity and help us to leave crazy camp behind where we're doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Will you join me in prayer? God, we're asking you this morning. We're asking you to lead us by your truth, and we are asking you to teach us. For you are our God who saves. And all day long this week, God, all day long, May we place our hope in you. Because it is in you that we find your grace. And it is in you that we have that present of your presence. And it's in the name of Jesus, our Savior, who does save us all day long that we pray. Amen.